about. We're looking at how God loves the nations. And to be the church is to love the nations. And um, I just want to look a little bit at 2 Corinthians today. And I want to tell you this. What God wants to do all the time is he wants to renew your thinking so that he can empower your living. That's what he wants to do. That when you think right, then the power of God can just rush into the things that you do because you do the stuff of the kingdom. That's, that's his desire. He, he's, he's always about renewing your thinking. And so what we're going to look at today is three things he wants to renew in our thinking. And one area that we see particularly through the Bible is almost unparalleled release of power into people come when they choose to go to reach the nations. Just historically, over and over again. Um, and Paul talks about this to a, the church in Corinth. And he, talk, he, he says that when you do this, it's like a cycle of grace and glory that gets set up in your life and in your church. So let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 8 to 15. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform, it's a gift he's asking, a service of giving money to the church in Jerusalem. This service you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There's three aspects of the renewal of the thinking that God wants to put in you and in me. The first one is he wants you to grasp the global generosity of the gospel of the kingdom. He wants you to grasp the global generosity of the gospel of the kingdom. Secondly, he wants you to act on the gospel through generosity to other nations. And thirdly, to expect God to bring overflow, abundance, and mighty power and great glory when a church steps out and does this. The global generosity of the gospel of the kingdom. God is able to bless you abundantly, verse 8 says, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. He who supplies seed to the sow and bread for food will supply it and increase your store of seed, enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Adam and Eve were put in a little part of the earth called Eden. And God heaped blessing on them. And increasingly theologians think that Eden was just a tiny part of the world. And what Adam and Eve's job was through their gardening, through their cultivating of the land, through their raising children, was to expand Eden increasingly across the rest of the world. And so the world was wild. And it needed God's 
kingdom to be extended across it through Adam and Eve in righteousness and goodness, living and doing what God wanted through their work, through their relationships. Incremental expansion of Eden was the plan, so that one day Eden would take over the whole of the earth. Now what happens is Adam and Eve fail, as you know. They fail to expand Eden, this place where God's glory is, where everything is right and just and pure and pleasing. They fail to expand it, and in fact, not only do they fail to expand it, even Eden itself begins to no longer be this wonderful place which it should be, because Adam and Eve fall And what God says is, look, I'm going to kick you out now and you now live no longer in this place of Eden, which should be so beautiful and great and a place of expansion. No, if you stayed here, what we'd be expanding into the whole earth would no longer be a good thing. So he removes them from Eden and they now live. Frustration, wildness, trouble with the enemy and trouble with one another. And so we have a picture of the world of all nations and this sense of wildness and a challenge to how do we live well. And then God calls Abraham and he says, I'm going to make you a nation. And what I'm going to do through you is I'm going to heap so much blessing on you. I'm going to bless you so abundantly you're going to become a great nation. And through this nation, as you incrementally expand, as you become more influential across the whole earth, every family on the whole earth will be blessed through you. And so the desire that God does, he restarts Eden. He restarts it in Abraham now and his children, he says, I'm going to give you this land called Canaan, and in that land you will live, and you're going to do great things with commerce, and great things with agriculture, and great things with culture, and as you do that, and as you honor me, and worship me, and know me, incrementally you'll maybe expand, and, and people from all nations will come to you. The influence of the kingdom will grow, and every nation will be blessed. And this this doesn't all go smoothly, but we see in Solomon, the pinnacle almost of this promise is that under Solomon's rule, in in two uh, kings and two chronicles, we see that the land is so abundant. It says every person has their own vine. They sit and they just eat and drink abundantly. And there's there's incredible wisdom. There's incredible music. And there's incredible commerce. They're the richest. They're the wisest. They're the smartest. There's incredible stuff. And the Queen of Sheba is an example of a nation, another nation coming into the land of Israel to be blessed and to receive from the abundance that God has put on his people. And it's like the the vision of the nations, they come to Israel to receive blessing. And then they carry that back to their homeland. So Naaman, the Syrian, he comes into Israel, he receives healing, and he takes back a blessing to his homeland. That's the picture you see over and over again. But even in the midst of Solomon's rule, you see he starts to enslave people. He doesn't do things all right. Even in Solomon's rule, he starts to worship other gods. And even there, and increasingly through his children, his children's children, we get to this guy called Manasseh, who's like the worst ever king. And he sacrifices his own children. He kills his son in the fire to the god Molech. And it's like the greatest example of how once again, even in this Eden, even in this land, the people just, they won't do as God asks, no matter how much he gives them. And so the blessing that they should be poured out to the world becomes a curse. And the prophets begin to speak and they say one day God is going to restore his people to an Eden-like location. 
there again that he's going to pour his abundance on them. And from there again, every nation on earth will be blessed. And they say, they say but what God's going to do this time is going to be different. Because this time, not only will he say, you're my image bearers, go and rule in my image. Now he's going to say, you're my presence bearers. You're going to go rule with my presence, the Spirit. That's the promise of the prophets. And they say, no longer will you say, hey, this man is a great king anointed by God. But you can say, now the guy who rules over this land will no longer just be a guy anointed by God, but actually be the very, the very one God himself somehow. There's this hints in Isaiah and in Daniel. And so the vision is that one day God will bring the the stewardship and the running and the expansion of the kingdom into his own rule. His presence in the people and through his king will see every nation blessed through his people. And it goes quiet for a long time. And then one day, this guy shows up and says, the time has come. It's happening now. And he begins to lay a hand on all who are sick. And they begin to be made well. And he begins to release abundance and blessing on people all around. And he recruits Israelites and say, come on. Come and be part of this kingdom, this renewed Eden, this new nation that God is building here. Come and be part of this. Sinners are forgiven. Those who are outcasts are welcomed in. Those who are in chains find they're set free. Those who are demonized and captive to all kinds of powers are liberated. And the good news is preached to the poor. And Jesus says he wants to expand the mission. The desire of God is that right, we will be the people. He says, we will be the people through whom every family on earth will be blessed. He says, before you do that, you must, you must not just be an image bearer. You must be a presence bearer. Wait till you're clothed with power from on high. Wait till I give you the presence. And, and they realize, they begin to realize when Jesus breathes on them, he says, now go, now go and take. It's no longer the call of the people of God to wait for the nations just to come to them to receive a blessing and to take it off. But now Jesus says, now you actively go out to carry the abundance of the blessing. And they think, hold on, what about the borders of a land? Is there a land still borders? And they realize the borders of the land that they now are being given by the Lord is no longer geographical boundary on a map. It's the boundary of their heart. The, the heart of God is like, wow, I'm filled with the abundance in my heart. And so Peter and Paul and Philip, they see people from other nations like an Ethiopian eunuch. Or they see some Samaritans or they see some Greeks or Scythians or whatever. They see them and they realize that the, the kingdom of God is coming into their hearts now. And wherever they live, whether it's in Ephesus or Philippi or Corinth or Macedonia or Ethiopia, that actually they can, where they are now, be filled with the abundance of God and then be a person who brings blessing to those around them. And what you see happening in the early church, particularly with Paul, is that then these guys, they start to get trained, well, what does it look like to be a presence bearer in my culture? 
What does it look like? I no longer need to travel to this temple in this place in Jerusalem to worship God. I can worship him here. I no longer need to just avoid eating pork or things with a cloven hoof. I no longer need to follow these certain dietary requirements or honor these particular days. How do I honor the Lord? I want my heart to still be the kingdom of God. I want Eden to live in my heart. But I can do it in my language, eating my food, wearing my clothes, meeting my people around me too. I can become a Greek to the Greek. I can become a Jew to the Jew. I can carry a blessing to all the nations. Slave, free, male, female, rich, poor. And so we land on this passage in Corinthians with this history. The gospel of the kingdom is, Paul's saying, look, do you understand how God's always wanted to reach the nations? He's always wanted to see his kingdom expand over the whole of the earth. That's always been his desire. And you Corinthians can play a part in this, he says. In fact, you must play a part in this. Because the whole reason you've been given the abundance, every riches in every way has been poured on you. The whole point of it is that the expansion of this would then go to all in all places. And the obligation of the church is to do what God always wanted for his people, to actively engage in the expansion of of the kingdom over every nation in the world. And so, that is the gospel of the kingdom in which we stand. And Paul says, don't just stand and think this stuff. Act on it. Act on it. And he says this over and over again. He says, the service, the kind of the ministry of the gospel, the, the expression of what it is to be the people of God, is not only supplying the needs of the, nor- the sorry the needs of the Lord's people, verse twelve, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God because of the service by which you've proved yourself. Others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Your obedience that accompanies the confession. He says, "Go do it now. Go show generosity to the nations. Reach the people. Release the blessing on every family under earth." Over again, Paul stresses. That the nation of Jesus, the people of Jesus, the church of Jesus would be utterly drenched in deep generosity towards others, people from other nations. Over and over and over again, he says, look, our command to be fruitful and to multiply, to rule over the earth and to subdue it. The, The command of Eden that was given to Abraham to honor me and worship me and to become a great nation, to bless every nation, the the, the instructions that are given to us as a church, it's generosity to other nations. We must act on that. We must act on that. God has an agenda, therefore, to make his church, to make every person in his church so generous towards people from other nations. That's his agenda. That's what it is to be the church. Paul wants his people to actually do the stuff. That's what he wants. And we live in a fascinating time for this. Because it used to be two generations ago to love the nations probably meant you got on a ship and sailed somewhere. But now, as you can see, if you look around the room around you to love the nations, you can just knock on the next door neighbor's door. You can speak to your manager at work. It's an incredible thing that God's been doing in this nation. So just for an example, uh, Jolene and Matthew were telling me the other day, guys who've come from Indian heritage, lived in Kuwait, now living in Croydon, 
and looking at the art of neighboring, just praying, God, would you help us know our neighbors? And that very day when they prayed that, their neighbors knocked on their door and said, we don't feel like we know you. Would you like to come over for a, for a cup of tea? See, God's, God does this stuff. He just loves this. So maybe just with your neighbors, maybe literally there's somebody who lives next door to you from another nation. Maybe you could just go say, hello. You know, would you like, I'm just wondering, I don't really know you. Maybe it's a colleague at work. We don't have to go far now. It's the beauty of this. We can be generous to the nations just without really having to go anywhere. Maybe it's with the next generation, people in this church. Do you know, in this church, in our kids and youth, we've got people who've grown up with a heritage from many nationalities. I mean, they're literally in this building right now. And some of them, you know, got Sri Lankan heritage or Nigerian heritage or British heritage or European heritage or Asian heritage. You know, there's so much. And you can actually love the nations, be generous to the nations by joining a kids team, by serving on youth, and you invest in them. Like, isn't that incredibly easy and wonderful? And many of you do this already. If you're on a kids team or a youth team, just stand up where you are, any of the weeks. Where you, where you are. Have a look at this motley crew. Have a look at this lot. So what's so cool, right, is that some of you guys have come from other nations to this country, and now you're loving people from other nations and this nation as you raise the sons and daughters who happen to be in this church. Isn't that just a wonderful thing? This is a wonderful thing that God's doing. Maybe you don't even just join a team, but you just actively choose. Do you know what? I'm going to try to just be really super generous and kind when we do the stuff in and around small groups and around Sundays. What I'm saying is in your life already, just by being in this room, you can be so generous to the nations without really having to do much at all. Because God's so kind. He makes it so easy to have our obedience accompany our confession. It's a rare thing, actually. Many churches you, you won't find for whatever because of where they are in the nation or different things. But sometimes there's deliberate steps we take. Deliberate steps we take to actively seek out and deliberately be generous to the other nations. I think God loves it when we do this. And let me tell you that when a church chooses to be generous to the nations, when we understand the gospel of the kingdom, and when we act on the gospel of the kingdom, we then, in the renewal of our thinking, expect God to bring just abundance and mighty power for his glory. That, that's, what he, that's what he says he will do. And we want, as a church, to adjust our expectations that he would bring great abundance. This is what, this is what Paul says. He says, verse 14, the surpassing grace... You know what surpassing grace is? I mean, grace in itself is amazing. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's something we don't deserve. It's incredible. And surpassing grace is just where you receive so much from God. You think, I can't even, I surpassed words to describe this. That's what happens when we choose to do this stuff of the kingdom. 
And Paul says it's an indescribable gift. Like what God can do is so far beyond. You think, this is beyond. I can't even talk about it. Just so amazing, I can't even talk about it. And this is what we can expect in this church. When we choose to show the generosity of the kingdom in various different ways. And I want to tell you, we are already experiencing this. Like, yeah, actually, the joy we have as a church is that God is doing amazing things among us. And one of the, what I thought would just be really fun, just to finish, is um, I'm going to invite Andrew, uh, our new friend, to come up and just quickly share a little bit of something uh, from this. So here he comes. Okay, so Andrew, tell us, what nation are you from? Um, Sri Lanka. So you were born in Sri Lanka, and did you live in Sri Lanka your whole life? No, I moved to India. And then you came to this country... 2003. 2003, so you've been in nearly 20 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, three months ago, we'd never met. You hadn't come along to this church. What, tell us about where were you at with God three months ago? Um, to be honest, I've known God for more than 15 years, but... Um, I was never close with God, and especially three months ago, I was on a very wrong track. Um, I had some addictions that I was going through, and I was very far away from God, to be honest. And um, the end result was I, I ended up, like, I wanted to do some bad things, like uh, one of them was suicide thoughts, but that was the track I was on three months ago. Yeah. And then, um, I actually don't know how you came here. How did you come here? Well, someone from Swiss recommended me to come to Vineyard one Sunday. And, um, and tell us what, so what did God do? We talked about surpassing grace. We've talked about indescribable gifts. What, what has God done for you in the last three months? Well, when I first stepped into the Vineyard Church, um, uh, you, there was a prayer moment where you, you know, after the message, you said, come front to pray, to pray, sorry. I came front, um, someone prayed for me and literally pinpointed everything that I was going through. And I'm like, I asked that person, who told you? Like, you know. I know, I met you before. Who told you? And that person was like, it's God. And that honestly um, touched my heart because everything she said, or well, everything that person said, okay, wait, sorry, um, meant everything what I was going through. And I, like, I, I rededicated my life to God. And um, since then till now, I'm very close to God than beyond my imagination. To be yeah. And something you've said to me is that um, you've felt, it's felt different. What and people have noticed how it seems different as well as feeling different. Just to say a little bit more about that. So, since that Sunday till now, um, people have been saying to me when they speak to me, they're like, "Oh, I sense the spirit on you. I, sp- uh, I see your face glowing." And I asked them, "Are you sure it's not the lights? Because the lights are quite, you know." <laughs> I shut shut down the lights. No, your your the way of my speaking has changed. They said that whenever I talk, I talk about God, and I only speak about God now. And they said that they feel motivated by talking to me, and I'm like. Glory to God, you know, that's, mm. that's all I can say. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Let's give you a round of applause. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This stuff is real. It's real. When we choose to be generous, you know, a guy who's grow, born in Sri Lanka, grown up in India, in this nation, God loves him to bits. Absolutely loves him to bits. And he's like... What I want to do is find a church who will just pray blessing, who, who will believe that I will speak prophetically, who will be courageous enough to try saying those prophetic words, 
and it just it's like an avalanche of his kindness and his mercy. He he loves to do this. And he particularly loves to do this for people from other nations to yourself. This is what God is like. It's always been his agenda. And so I want to pray for us right now that we would see God do more of this. And I've had a sense that there's a significant release of his power that he wants to put on us as his church this morning. And so if you're here and you think, you know, I want to see God. Lord, I don't even know what that looks like. Or I maybe know exactly what that looks like. But I'm in. Yeah, I'm in on this. I want you to use me to release the generosity and blessing of the kingdom to people around me, particularly from nations different from myself. If that's you, just stand where you are and we're going to ask him for an abundance of power to be poured out on you.